about you go no I know it's serious he's already broken you know I know it's really serious do I want him to hold a wheelchair no cause you know I would hate anything no I don't want to lose him do you really think he'll survive do you think he'll roll less than five yes and she's a gonna you know I know it's serious five With times when I could have rallied him Cause you know it's not like he's a 10 to And he just got Got a fear from ocean He's taking the check time to fret And he rolled a five and he died Now For a few bad words I know it's serious Son of a Welcome back, everybody. Boy, another show in this Octobery day. It is lovely. Or is it November we're, now? We are, we are so happy to be here once again for another once again. exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. The Two Half Squads. The one and only podcast dedicated. About 100% to the greatest game in the world. Advanced, Advanced Squad, Squad Leader. Leader. Dang, I love it. You can, I love the smell of it. The cardboard and the cardboard and more cardboard. I don't know. I kind of like the smell of this banana you gave me, Jeff. That is a nice banana. Man. It? Yeah. Really? Do you still have your peel? Yeah, I do. Smell it. Yeah. I'm it's, not a big fan of banana <laughs> peel smell. <laughs> it's gonna, It smells like those uh, Laffy Taffy bananas. It does, kind of, yeah. Hey, Jeff, thanks for giving me this Prolatch Pro Latch Plano Stowaway 4-21. That's my favorite uh, storage container it's for the, ASL Yeah, products. it's the skinnier one. Yeah. So I have a picture I put up of the partisan counters that we from, from uh, Broken, Broken Ground. Ground. Yeah. But then Jeff's like, I saw his on the back shelf. I'm sure we talked about these in a previous show, but... I'm thinking of trying out this skinny one you give me. Yeah, they're nice. Because I'm can... getting into some space problems. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think we all are. The stuff keeps rolling out from MMP, and they don't even care. They don't. Do they care how many trees they cut down to make new products? No. No. Not a bit. 
No. But that's okay. But how have you been, Jeffrey? This is show number 210. We have yeah. a big Brett Hildebrand interview. Yeah, that's that's along, really... Along with Mike Stubitz today. Yeah, it was great talking with those guys. No, he's coming up today. Mike? Brett and Mike. Yes. They're in the same interview. Right. Oh, you mean it was great talking with them it when was, we recorded it? Yes. I thought you meant last show. Oh, no. <laughs> no, when we recorded it. Yeah. No, I'm doing well. Things are going well. Busy at work. Got a new uh, project from my client in Rockford. They make crackers. And they need me to build a... <laughs> yeah, crackers. Doesn't sound very high-tech. Know, Aren't you an IT guy? You know, it is. Uh, it's not very high-tech, but the stuff I do for them is very high-tech. But it's funny working for a company like this because you got to think, where do your crackers come from? Well, they come from a cracker factory. Yeah, they have. I wonder what that looks like. Well, they, I've been in one. And there's people walking around with nets on their hair and nets covering their beards, and they walk around and they mix up the batter and bake it into little crackers and tumble it around with the different flavorings and pour it all out and put they, it in boxes. Do they make that kind of kosher unleavened bread for? For Passover? No, they don't. No. no, they don't. But it's really interesting to watch how all this goes on. They've got 400 employees there making crackers. Really? Yeah. Just cranking out the crackers. And it makes me wonder, you know, you buy a box of crackers for $4 or whatever it is and just think, this comes out of a factory that's employing 400 people, bringing livelihoods to 400 different people. It's just kind of amazing. Buy American. Yeah. It never ceases to amaze me. So, yeah, this particular company, they make a number of different brands, and they do, um, what do they call it? Black Label? Not Black Label. They call it Blacklist people gray, who are gray, communists? Gray Label. I can't remember what they, the term is, but they make products for other companies. So the other, other companies put their names on the products. Oh, like generics? And yeah. Mm-hmm. But they make all these organic products. Yeah, it's really fun. So I'm doing, I got a couple of new projects for them. I've got, I've got a lot of work going on. Quite, quite, uh, it makes me feel good. Work is good. Yeah. But so can be retirement. Yeah. Do you know that, uh, remember I was telling you about my friend Dave? Can I share what he had wrote me about? Well, I was telling you that I was bringing home things from school now. Yeah, because like, you won't need them next year. Right. Today was the last day I did this lesson on ancestors and immigration. So I brought home the photos of my ancestors. And then uh, last day I dressed up as Guido, the, my Italian cousin. Yeah. And I take kids through Ellis Island. And uh, my friend had said, um, told him, hey, yeah, it was my last day doing this event because he was gone now. He's he's retired. And <laughs> are you going to play sad music? No. And uh, he said, uh, oh, is it setting in? Like the idea that I'm leaving soon. You're a great teacher. Thank you. Thanks for me, a parent. Enjoy each day. Take the school year in, and you'll walk out complete. Yeah. Isn't that nice? That's really nice. That's nice. I thought that was some great advice to carry with me. And that was some... Awkward music. <laughs> that, that was awkward. Yeah, it really didn't really fit a, at kind all. Kind of a sour note you were yeah. playing there, well. Jeff. Hey, would you look up Kulning on your YouTube and see if we could play some for the listeners? K-U-L on YouTube. Okay. K-U-L-N-I-N-G. Kulning. Kulning. 
I bet some people at home are thinking they know what this is. Yeah, I think uh, you know. No. <laughs> Call me. I've been Rick shaded. What what is this called? You've been Rick rolled. Dave. Rick rolled. Dave has been Rick rolled. <laughs> Again. Let's see. We got up. We're up to. I keep clicking these links. Four hundred eighty million five hundred eighty-four thousand four hundred fourteen. Does the guy get paid for all those clicks? I'm sure he does. Wow. He deserves it too. He's so handsome, and what a voice! Wow. You guys, I'm not ever opening a link from you again. Yeah. Culning. Wait a minute. Let me go back. K U L N I N G. My daughter sent this to me. Ancient European kind of thing. Oh. To call yes, to call calling the cows. the cows. Yes, I've I've seen this as well. I thought this was quite fascinating. I don't know if you would think it's. Oh yeah, this lovely young lass standing out in the fields calling the cows. Haunting, isn't it? Yeah. And the cows are coming. <laughs> they probably want to look. Like, who is that girl? What is she doing? I'm glad you mentioned this because I, I saw this the other day. The other day? Yeah. Not last year ago. or two no, years ago? No, no, just recently. And the cows are all looking at her like, what? <laughs> I don't know if you would think it's kind of like uh, the pan pipe flute playing yeah. people yeah. with the... She's continuing to call them, even though oh, they're attacking even her. Though they're there. Oh, well, oh my gosh! What? Oh, they just ran her over. One cow oh. tried to jump on the other cow. What are they doing? Oh. <laughs> they're playing the nose flute. Yeah, I guess. I guess they are. <laughs> and I think you know. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but in the early years of the ASL Open, Dave Goldman would uh, often do calling. To, to call the ASL players to, to the, the, oh, the tables okay, the, every no. night. Yeah. But it sounded more like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop it. Stop it. We are yeah. above that, Jeffrey. Yeah. Oh, you and Doug never, Brees. Never. I can't believe you guys. Oh. Does Doug do that? Yeah, remember when we went to the Open or to the Gen Con? You guys were like... We did get low, didn't we? Yes, you bit. did. Yeah. I stayed high. Yes, you did. Not that way. No. Uh, well, anyway, what else is new? Anything? Want to banter about, young man? Well, my lovely is uh, my lovely wife is out of town this weekend. Oh, and so I've got some time, a little bit of time on my hands. And when she's gone, I usually like to watch a movie. Hmm. So I'm kind of open. You should call me to play some squad leader. Well, I've got. Some plans. Tomorrow night I'm going to dinner with my daughter who's in town, back in town, and um, other stuff. And Robbie will be home on Sunday. I'm going to my other daughter's house to watch the Bears game. Oh, are you? Sunday. Yes, on Sunday. And so I need to know, like, what exactly is football? (laughs) How does that work exactly? Would I recognize it? I'm not even sure. But more importantly, if if you could watch any movie. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you watch? I mean, there's so many things I could watch. What should I watch? Should I watch Dunkirk? Is that worth seeing? Did you see it? Yes. Is that worth seeing? Yes. 
How about the Tank movie with uh, Brad Pitt? Yes, I haven't seen it yet either. Let's do it for Spine and Sprocket. Is there a book it was based on? Not that I'm aware of. I would, I'd have Let's to look. figure this out. We should do that. Okay. I'd like to see that too. So I can't watch that. You know what? Okay, there was so that other. I can't. Watch. No, no. You can watch and take notes, and then I'll watch it. And take notes. Oh, okay. I want to. I want to relax. Oh. Yeah. Um. Well, remember there was that other tank movie that people sent us to the half squads, and we put a link up of a clip from it. Maybe it was an Israeli tanker. Oh. And yes, some, that was supposed to be really, really yeah. good. I forgot all about it until right now. Well, if I can find that. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, um, well, I hear this movie, 8th Grade, is really good. 8th Grade? Uh-huh. What's it about? 8th Grade. Girl really? in 8th Grade, technology, bullying, the whole thing. It's supposed to be really good. No kidding. Right on target. Hmm. was out in theaters. I don't know if you can access it at home. Hmm. Um, yeah, what else have I loved? We enjoyed the... Oh... Potato pie. Oh, I, I saw story that story thing. Okay, yeah, and that was actually kind of World War Two related. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. The Guernsey, yeah, book club literature. The Guernsey book literary. literary potato pie. Yeah, yeah, club. And that was that was a good movie. Yeah, Megan was like, "Hey, you guys might like this, yeah. Mom and Dad. It's just you know, and yeah, real decent film." So yeah, I bought the book uh, for my daughter and sent it to her. I don't know if she's read it yet, but. She likes that kind of stuff. A little bit of history, a little bit of romance. A little romance. Yeah. Oh, great like characters. Yeah. In there. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd like to know from listeners, what do you, you know, if you had like an evening all to yourself, what World War II movie, movie would you watch? I watched one the other night. It wasn't World War II, but I was in the mood for an old Jimmy Stewart movie. And I turned on Amazon Prime. There. Uh, sponsors of this show. No, they're not. And I watched Strategic Air Command with Jimmy Stewart from 1957 or 8, I think it was. All about the Strategic Air Command and it was kind yeah. of a, it was it was it was an okay movie. I lots think of you great mentioned planes this before. Yeah, lots of great planes in it. The B36 Super Fortress. Uh, no, they called it the Peacemaker. I think still it might be have the greatest wingspan of any airplane ever See, built. Could could be. Um, we did start John Adams, the TV series from PBS. Oh, did you? Yeah. Laura, Megan, and I. First episode. Good. Um, we watched about four episodes of that and didn't finish for whatever reason. It's a little slow, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. There's not enough, you know, robots and zombies. <laughs> That's what I'm after. That's oh, what that's I like. That's the problem with us, isn't it? Yeah. Boy, the kids don't know much these days. In terms of culture, there's no... Well, I was referring to... Okay, yeah, get this. That cartoon we talked about previously with Charles uh, Thomas Nast... Yes. Pulling on the queue of the Chinese worker in the California... The Chinese Exclusion Act and the idea of it said at the bottom pacific chivalry of course he's being sarcastic Mm-mm. now yeah you don't think any eighth grade kid understands pacific chivalry i don't think so so we do define pacific they know that okay pacific is that the ocean oh the coast okay 
than chivalry. Nothing. But I said, okay, raise your hand if you know the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur. Four out of 24 kids. No. Yes, four. And I'm like, hey, didn't y'all go through sixth grade here at our school? Learn world history in one year. Well, you can't learn everything. Maybe they don't cover that. Jeff, they don't well, know. Well, yeah, it. they wouldn't cover that. They don't know. History. So I said, Knights of the Round Table, what do they say? Oh, actually, I started with, what, are the, what do they stand for? What do they believe in? Nothing, nothing. And then, how many of you know about these Knights of the Round Table? Nope, few. Oh, well, the few of you that do, what do they believe in? And they're not creative to start shouting things out. They're a quieter group. A lot of, they're good kids. Good, I'm having a you know good year, but compared to last year, but um, which was actually a killer in so many ways. Um, they didn't know where to go with that. Like, oh, I said, well, do they believe basically in good or evil? You know, oh, well, yeah, good. Okay, chivalry, protect the poor, the weak, right? And then I went, okay. I, it's time for me to get out if all my references are unknown to children. Yeah. But then I said, oh, wait a minute. The problem is me. I know what. How many of you know about the Jedi Knights? All right. Got many ah, more hands. Okay. What do the Jedi believe in? Okay. I don't know. Do we? Uh, it didn't right. work quite the same. Do we know what the Jedi are really about? Do you? See? We don't. It's not really brought forth much in the movies. You know they're good, though. You know they're good. Yeah. But you're right. The concepts of chivalry for the Jedi. We don't even know that they're good. We just know they're on there. We've never seen them do anything good. We've yeah. seen them stop somebody from doing evil. Blowing up stuff. That's good. Mm. It's good yeah, to stop well, evil. Yeah. But you are right. There's not the same clear cut kind of chivalric no, code right. that I kind of thought they had yeah. in the back of my mind yeah. until we actually asked the question. So, interesting, huh? You know, I think part of the problem is that uh, with the easy access to whatever we want to watch, we can watch whatever we want to watch. And so kids will watch the same thing over and over and over again. Now, when you and I were lads, you watched whatever was on TV. Correct. And so you would get a wide Robin range Hood, of different things. A sci-fi You'd be exposed film. to a lot of, you'd be exposed to history and science fiction and the three thirty philosophy movie. and... All kinds of things, all kinds mm-hmm. of things, which is not not so much anymore. Are you are you hearing something? Yep, you got mice again, or that rat thing, or that raccoon. Yeah, hear it again. I hear it. <laughs> you have a copy. Anyway, let's jump on in. Yes, sir. ASL. Do you want to jump over there and get your speaking of chivalry? Comp group chivalry sharer player's guide, and while I get us started off, so I, I took the time to read the whole thing, Jeff. And get a, wow. a better review going. We won't have time to go over the scenarios tonight. I could record these separately at home, or we can keep this shelf for episode 211, 212, whatever we like. But in the beginning here, we have the uh, intro from it's Xavier, right? I assume, right? It's doing this. Uh, hi, all. Yeah, but Xavier. And. More than five years later, we decided to provide a sequel of sorts to one of our bestsellers, the historical module Kampfgruppscher Shield of Kolm, or did you say Cholm? 
better known as KGS. Andy Hershey has several designs in this, but there are designs from other members of the LFT crew. I think we want to find Andy Hershey and get an interview with Andy. Andy, are you out there? I think he is. We need to talk to you. Yeah. Call us. We want to interview you. Email us. More and more ASLers are suffering from our modern main concern, lack of time. Thus, for quite a number of years now, the trend has been to short or fast-paced scenarios or tournament-like scenarios. Gone are the days of Hill 621, Hubes Pocket, and even the Tractor Works. I want to play Tractor Works again. Oh, I'd play that with you again. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Which were all huge scenarios that Grognards have been able to play, even some even several times in long and happy ASL sessions, most of the time spending several days to complete a single game. With the appearance of historical modules came the campaign game as well, raising ASL up to yet another level, both in gaming immersion but also in game length. MMP understood in due time such monsters wouldn't be played by most hobbyists all around the world, and since they are also players, of course, went on to design some shorter historical studies. That little word made the difference. KGS brings ASL into this area, displaying the whole battle that lasted six months in a one-sheet map, little known, with only 5,000 troops trapped in a harsh Russian winter, facing the hordes of the Russians, 15 scenarios. Okay, And uh, that's how they introduced this as a smaller campaign game that you can play in a smaller amount of time. Comp group share. Seems so, like a good idea. You know, I'm thinking maybe we also jump into this, this for our next. This would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might do this over the winter. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the first article is uh, by Andrew Hershey, as a designer of KGS. He wants to take a brief look at the general idea behind the booklet. He says, it, from where he sits, I think I can just about hear certain ASLers grinding in teeth and muttering, not another booklet. Okay, so together you and I will agree to call it a player's guide instead. Um, in part one of the guide, it provides some scenario analysis, and the second part is an in-depth look at some campaign games, and the third element is a quasi-series replay of campaign game two, five days in May. And then I turn the page, right? You're on four. They have a. Uh, is this a historical map of the area? Yeah, I'm thinking so. I'm wondering. It's. I mean, what else would it be? Or is it his hand drawn? Oh, no. I think it. Well, maybe it's his hand drawn designs, original designs, trying to fit them from the overhead maps. Oh, I see what you're saying. Onto the yeah, hexes. Yeah, right. But he's got those letters, you know, 73CM look very Russian. I think it looks like he's pulling that from the original maps. We could ask Andrew if he will do an interview. And then the next article is the terrain analysis for uh, Conf Group Share uh, review of the comparative strengths and weaknesses of the forces. So terrain analysis he does for scenario two. Talking about the blocks, each one's divided in blocks. There's some nice color maps that shows sector A and the blocks that make up sector A, page 7. You see sector B mm-hmm. in blue here with the blocks that make up B. They're all numbered and labeled. All right. And he gives a lot of um, gaming approaches to these. For example, um, like block 40B has a dubious distinction of all three of its eastern bordering hexes having TEM for the Russian player to enter through. And so on, like this. Like 48B is more defensible and therefore, from a Russian standpoint, less accessible. And a big map on page 8 of all the blocks together 
and their victory point totals as they count. Because I guess you have to take the blocks, not just individual little buildings. There's also a girls' high school. And a sector C. So on, sector D, E, F. And then the second part of that article, and uh, yeah, I actually enjoyed reading it all. I, I didn't get my map out to follow along, but there were enough pictures included in this guide that I could do some comparison. And I thought his writing was pretty good here. Just some kind of fun stuff. Of course, they have the great cartoons, you know, that all the LFT products have. Yeah, I like those. Like the little rat ones and stuff. I think it's Emmanuel Batiste doing that work. Um, and then his writing, one example. The Russian breakdown is less favorable. 17.5 of their squad equivalents have a morale of 8. 76 squads have a morale of 7. And 30 squads have a morale of 6. Now I know conscripts are people too and all that, but just barely. <laughs> so I found it humorous. I found it very clear writing, very easy to read. Another example of his humor, once again, technology sometimes sucks, but lack of technology always sucks. When you have uh, the tanks and things like that he's talking about in the game. Page 20. And there's an interesting map at the bottom left of 20. Now that's got to be historical. Do you see? What do you think of that, Jeff? Do you have that map on yours? Bottom left to 20? Uh, checking. You have the same artwork. Oh, yeah. there. there you yes, go. I do. Yeah, is that a historical map? Yeah, it's then? hard to know for sure. But it, it Look at the 1942. It yeah, says Comp Chom UDSSR. And a chart with the final summation of the force composition. Um, I think he's talking about who has the advantage. German or Russian. Kind of forgotten there. There's some historical pictures. Gets me to page 23. There's some nice posters, propaganda posters from the war. Uh, Right-hand side, he's saying um, it's the Russian strategic and tactical considerations in the West. And then he breaks all that down by sector German considerations in the West. Um, I was just glancing through this, and I noticed this. I don't know why I picked this paragraph, but he's talking about uh, the guys up in the steeples. Mm-hmm. I learned, and I learned something right here. The lads up in the steeples of the church may wish to head down into the cellar prior to turn three to make sure the bombardment that will rain down on their heads in all likelihood will do no damage or minimal damage. Then he says, uh, Remember, if you're broken in the steeple, there are no additional attacks from OBA if you head straight down the stairs. Because oh. you're not becoming more vulnerable in the same hex. Right, you're, you're right, because you're gaining Just don't protection. change hexes while routing in the OBA FFE, and you'll be fine. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, it's really you remember well that. So he's, he intersperses a lot of little bits like that in there. And he knows this game, obviously, very, very well. Yeah. So he's able to give you lots of pointers. I like the paragraph... Page 23, right-hand bottom, Russians 
Shoot the moon with this option. Your losses are irrelevant so long as you can pump up the German losses. Now, having said that, if you have a 2-1 to one or better close combat odds, you may well wish to just stay around with normal close combat and let the odds take you where they should. Just because you can burn through your men like chaff doesn't mean you necessarily should. Mm. <laughs> and he's referring to using hand-to-hand or not using hand-to-hand yeah. at that point. Because, of, yeah, at times you want to play the odds out. So some good pictures. <coughs> Russian tactics in the east, German considerations. And then into page 28, part one, camp group share three. Oh, this is where he looked at some specific scenarios and does kind of a scenario analysis. Mm, okay. Right. Yeah. German advantages, disadvantages. And then Russian advantages, disadvantages with a discussion of where you might set up and how you might play the scenario out and various options, good line of sights, things like that. And he does, what, a few of those. KGS 14, 15. I remember I looked at those briefly. There's a chart. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) The chart on 34, Jeff? Yes, I see that. decipher that while I refresh my throat? Yes. Uh, it's a chart showing elevation change. Yeah. Movement points? That must be. So in the first example, to move up is three and a half, and to move down is two and a half. Is that what he's saying there? I think so. Yeah, I think there's I snow probably at that right. point. Oh, right. Yes. So there's some complicated hill uh, multi-crest, what do you call them? Uh, yeah. Multi-crest, uh, uh, abrupt elevation change. And then on 35, um, there's a summer, again, great artwork. You know, look, the Russian hand is coming in. Oh, yeah. Pulling the plug on the creek, and the Germans are getting washed down. The two campaign games designed to wrest control from the Germans. I was asked to write on the tactics and strategies of the two campaign games that compromise KGS. I do not have illusions that I am the best strategic tactician in the SL world. However, with involvement in the development of KGS, this is by Jim Bracken, over, and over 20 years in the hobby, should give me some insight into this project you may find useful. So what I do have to offer in these art areas Simply put, I was involved in almost every discussion regarding KGS and every discussion that affected the campaign game. So my goal in this article is to provide insight into the special design features that are present in the campaign game. And that's the article by Jim Bracken. The campaign games, Red Army Day, five days in May. And the concepts he puts in here, a little look at the ammo, supply shortage, weather, and uh, so on. And there's a nice ad for that. Corrigidor the Ridge. Yes, yes Bounding Fire Productions. <gasps> and Jeff, who is our sponsor, Bounding Fire Productions? Can you tell us a little about them? Bounding Fire Productions is the maker of fine, high-quality ASL products. Not the core rule stuff. you got to get that from MMP. But if you want to expand beyond the offerings from MMP and explore some very, very interesting scenarios and campaigns, we recommend you go to BoundingFireProductions.com and peruse all of the many fine products they have, such as Bungle in the Jungle. Poland in Flames. And High Ground. 
and uh, many others. Many and others. I'm still playing the uh, Crucible of Steel. Yeah. We've got a few more games than that to Great play. counters included there. Yeah. Great Speaking of counters, stuff. Jeff, where else can players get some wonderful ASL counters? Well, I guess you could go to Broken Ground. That's right. Also a sponsor of this show. Oh, they are. Recommend you go to Broken Ground Productions also and take a look at those wonderful counters. We Get reviewed the Partisans earlier. Unique, useful, and uh, lovely. Well done. Yeah, counters. And I didn't mention, too, on the counters, there's a morale. Okay, say you got a 447. Okay, the Partisans. Say you got a 337. Yeah. Then some of them were 338s, and the 8 was in white. Do you know what that represents? When does your morale go up? One. When the ladies show up. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, well, when you're fanatic. Yep. You no longer have to place a fanatic counter on it. Oh. Change it out for the one with the morale printed I higher see. on the front and okay. the back. Okay, so you can keep your stacks in, in yeah. check. How often does that fanatic counter get moved around in that stack oh, of three yeah. counters? You're like, wait, which guy right. was the fanatic? Yeah, one? that happens a lot. You switch that counter right out. That's, That's how great brilliant. these counters yeah. are from Broken Ground Productions. Well, head on over there and oh, buy designs. some stuff. Yep. And um, the Chom campaign game, Five Days in May, is an article. Jim Bracken, again, going through specifically like a series replay. So you get a lot of nice color photographs taking you through pages 43, 49, day one, day two, and up to the end and what's those last pages contain in this great yeah player's i'm trying to figure out what these charts are enemy activation chart are you looking at 57 i am on 57 yes because you have probably not experienced that s-a-s-l what is that uh asl built for two no solitaire <laughs> asl obviously yeah so that gives you oh i solitaire see. Yes. relied on charts like this to okay. figure out what your enemy see that enemy hold attitude yeah, table? Okay. Do they panic? Do they move? Do they fire? Do they entrench? You're not making those decisions for the opponent. The charts make them for the opponent. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, well, that's handy. Look at that. You got some solitaire stuff there. That's interesting. And there must be enough people playing solitaire ASL. Have we ever talked to anybody that is a regular solitaire ASL? No, we really need haven't. to explore it. I yeah. probably played maybe. Si- I would say like two or three times, but it's always more, maybe six, maybe eight times. Mm. You know, I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah. Have to go look. And the last two pages of this fine product. The it's, hex is It's compressing. those sectors again. Remember those maps yeah, this, earlier? Yes. This specifies exactly what hexes are in block 7A. Okay. And, you know, block 32B in sector B. Okay. And so on. So there's no disputing... Um, what's what's in there? And again, he tells you like total blocks twelve victory um, bonus if all controlled in scenario two was plus six. I think he was saying that that's a little confusing figuring out how to control everything. What bonus points you get? Like you get points for like controlling half or you know, and then all and so on. Well, that's going to probably be a show. But, you know, Jeffrey, who sent us these wonderful player guides? Remember this? They came in the mail. Oh, right. Yes, we got these from our friend Derek Ritter 
at Ritter Creek. Not Ritter just Creek. a friend, but a sponsor of this very podcast. Yeah, just you got to give them some love, folks. Go yeah. order your stuff from, from Derek over there at Ritter Creek. And, uh, again, the shipping is free. We're asking not to order a bunch of little things and have them all sent separate. Order some big things. That could bankrupt the guy. But uh, load up an order. Look at all the things you're going to want. Get them all at once. Right. Order them from Ritter Creek. Fast shipping, all the great ASL products. Tell him the two half squads sent you, and he'll be extra nice to you. Indeed. Yeah. And now we have Brett Hildebrand joining us. Hi, Brett. how are you? you how just, are you? You just made it these little things. Oh, really? And Brett, we have interviewed once before at Aslock? As, at, at or Aslock, was it here? I think, I think it was here. You were, oh, it was probably here because you're probably too busy at Aslock. Uh, yeah, I think it was here because I was promoing Aslock. Yeah, but, uh, which you can do again, <laughs> or the Dropkick Murphys. Now, that's a different Dropkick Murphy shirt than I saw at lunch. It, it is true, yes. I switched. <laughs> Got to change it up I on occasion. thought you were just trying to freak me out. I used all the luck up on the other one, so okay. I needed to switch. Ah. <laughs> Very sensible. Okay. Are you going to head? I'll let you guys sure. entertain Brett. Talk to Would you Thanks, just guys. put your name and email address anywhere on this Because you might page? win this hat that no one will buy on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, so you're, and you're just trying win. to discourage us from reselling and it? Just anywhere. Anywhere is fine. <laughs> yeah. figure it out. Yeah, you'll lose money even though we give it to you for free. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Brett is the... Actually, you're a big name in the community. Um, you were... You're great. Thanks. Your playing background... Were you becoming a champion player before you ran the tournament or after? I'm um, just trying to think back in my from what b- I remember. Before, I'd, before I'd, it was before. Okay, <laughs> you remember? <laughs> yeah, I'd been. I'd started winning some tournaments in the '90s. Uh, okay. So, you know, it goes back a, a while. Um, you know, I won DonCon a couple times back when it was uh, <laughs> a big ASL event, and I think I was in the finals four years straight there, and then. Uh, it won here before. I finally won Winter Offensive last year and won a few uh, other tournaments around. Okay. So. All right. So, and you started back with the original, same story. We've heard it from everyone, right? The original, because we talked at lunch. Yeah. Squad leader and um, so on and so on. Yeah, I started playing kind of a variant on squad leader uh, in high school that a friend of mine had squad leader in the first two gameettes, and we kind of played it a blended version of rules. Um, or I think we played kind of squad leader infantry rules, but used the vehicle rules from um, you know, Cross of Iron and Crescendo of Doom. Oh, um, okay. Because they were a little bit you know better and more sophisticated. And then um, around that time, ASL came out, and we picked it up, started checking it out, and trying to figure out how the heck that worked. And uh, then I went off to college and uh, didn't get to play a lot in college, but uh, you know here and there I'd play my brother some. And then uh, when I went off to Poughkeepsie, New York for an internship, there was a guy who had an ad in the general, and I connected up with him, and we played three or four games over the summer. And uh, then when I moved to Cleveland, Pete Schelling had an ad in the, the general for, you know, opponent wanted for, you know, war at sea and all this different stuff, plus ASL. And I think he got, like, ten people that responded to ASL and none that ever responded for to anything else. War at sea. Oh. So, yeah, so, like, Mark Nixon responded, I think uh, Wild Bill Hayward responded, and a few other people. So, so kind of, you know, in a lot of ways I connected into that group through Pete because uh, he put that ad in the general. And so that group kind of started at that time around that 
I, you know, Mark was always really connected with the group and everything, but uh, I think, you know, that connection through Pete was what brought me into meeting with, uh, you know, Mark Nixon and some of the other people, you know, Bill Hayward and that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> without Pete's, you know, ad in the general, who knows, you know. Would I have uh, seen some of the Aslock stuff and ended up going or not? You know, probably, but you never know. You know it's hard to say for sure. Yeah. So. And, and again, you look you, a lot younger than me, but clearly <laughs> you were born around... Uh, I was born in 69. So. so you are younger than me. Yeah. So you got in young. Then. Yeah, I started playing pretty school. young. And, yeah. No, I, and I didn't start playing until about high school. Okay, so, so I was post-college. That would be the difference. Yeah. That's why, Jeff, yeah. everyone yeah. looks younger than me. <laughs> I got in late, but not as late as you. Right. Yeah, I didn't start till I was 40. 48. <laughs> and everyone else is starting high school. And yeah. Right out of college. Yeah. And I think yeah. 40, no, and 48 or 49. A couple new guys Well, I, I think Rich Domovic didn't start playing until he was retired. So, oh, is that right? Oh, I, I believe so. Or at yeah. least he certainly didn't start playing seriously till then. Yeah. I think that might. I don't know be if true. he played at all before that or not. But you know, he's you know grown into a top player. Yeah. As a uh, retired gentleman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll happen to me. <laughs> There's hope for you. Still. It can. Yeah. I think you got to work a little harder though. Okay. <laughs> Sadly, Jeff has me who keeps telling him, ah, it's okay if we fudge it a little. Let's yeah. just have fun. Yeah. That's no way to really grow into a tournament player by any means at all. Yeah, I, I will say that, uh, you know, Wild Bill Hayward's my regular opponent. And when we play, there are times where it'll be like, ah, we don't want to look it up. But there are occasions where it's like, well, they're going to ask us at, at Aslock. So we need to know what the right answer is yeah. so that we can convince them at Aslock that that's the correct answer. So there are times we'll do rules dives that are meaningless to the game just to, to brush up on that. Um, it's probably not a bad practice when you're playing face-to-face -face on occasion. But it, yes. you know, we're, we're incentivized to, yeah. we know somebody's going to be asking us a rules question at Aslock that they may care about the answer being correct. And right. so we try to do our best to get it right. Yeah, and it's easier to look them up when you're home with an opponent than at a tournament. Um, yeah. Or like, even later, make a note. Oh, I'm going to look that up later yeah. on. And there are a lot of times, especially at a tournament or something, where, you know, roll the dice and see if it matters. Because right. that extra plus yeah. one, step, when you rolled a yeah. 12, it didn't really matter. Yeah, that's what I keep telling Stubitz. Because I do play with Stubitz quite a bit. He's local. Um, yeah, and Mike, and uh, even Timonen. I'm like, you know, let's roll first. Yeah. You know, because we know a 10 or more ain't going to be an issue here. Yeah. Whatever. So yeah. that's a great point for the listeners to, to remember that also. So, And then at, at lunch, you had... Um, Mention oh, we oh Korea you were not into Korea yet and thought you might not be we're just taking a uh, poll. I've played uh, I think I play tested a few of them um, at past winter offensives and I think I played I think I played a couple at this last winter offensive but it's all kind of a haze and I I actually haven't opened my uh, the ones I bought yet okay um, and done a deep dive at all yet but I, I've played a couple of them um, the, the the maps look really interesting especially the double wide hill map it's kind of a nice innovation yeah it's different um, yeah yeah and there's a lot of things you can do with it where I think you can reverse it and get a valley effect mm -hmm. some things like that that are kind of cool so I, it looks like a real nice package you know um, I just haven't been able to, to do a deep dive yet but we are running a uh, I believe we called it something like uh, Hot Lips and Hawkeye or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, is a uh, is a ode to Mash is, is okay. a Korea mini for uh, Aslock. So um, you know Aslock 33 is coming up this year. Uh, begins I think September 30th, the opening date. Uh, so we've already got people. 
pre-registering for it and lots of excitement. And the mini lists are available up at www.asslock.org. Okay. You pre-register good. or find out more about it. Yeah, and it's the biggest tournament. Is it the oldest tournament we talked? Uh, it's certainly the oldest that's continuously run. I believe it might be the oldest period, but this is the 33rd running of it. And I think the first one they were actually playing, you know, squad leader. It was before advanced squad leader even came out. Um, uh, Bill Fish Connor and Daryl Action Burke founded it ah, way back Darryl, when. Darryl. So right and before uh, ASL came out, because the rule book came out in '85, 33 years would have been. Yeah. So so maybe yeah. it was the first running was was with the, ASL, the ASL just off of it, hot off the presses. Yeah, and for our so, listeners, you're hearing the voice of a familiar Mike Stubitz you've heard yeah, often on the show. Sitting next to a heavy hitter here. Yeah, and Hill, Brett Hildebrand, man. Yeah. You are lucky. We even let you sit at this table. Yeah, I actually had the, the honor of playing table. him a couple of times, and I actually I had had a chance to beat him twice, but... Uh, no way. A few little mishaps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, Brett, is that true, or are you thinking you had him hands down? You can't remember. I, I honestly don't remember oh, for sure. Okay. <laughs> so we'll go with he, he had me until he yeah. you know, gacked a die roll. See, it's always yeah. a bigger deal so. for those of us that don't play that well to suddenly be playing well against someone good. Yes. And you okay, thought you I had Jared Tracy, kind of too, that one yeah. time in here, in here at the Open years ago. Yeah. And then I lost to him, and that kicked me out of the top, which I could never even come close to ever again. Because you haven't been coming to open forever for I've been coming times? a long time, oh, four um, or five years in a row, I was But not uh, a decade ago when I first no, attended. No, I was here then. Uh, okay. We started coming, I, I think we started coming about 96. Scott Holst won it one year, and, and we were kind of like, wow, they give trophies to Holst? Anybody can win. <laughs> uh, in seriousness, I think it was like there were 50 people no or something, and it was like, yeah. hey, that's, that's worth going to. That would be cool. They, they got at least 50 that year, and uh, we decided to come then. Yeah, it's been kind of average uh, turnout the last couple of years. A little bit disappointing. we got two uh, ASL groups in the, in the area, Chicagoland area. And I don't know. There's only a small percentage that come to this tournament. Yeah. It's our own backyard. Yeah. So I want to kind of let you know the other ASL players in the vicinity to you know get over here it's it's really a you know good experience you, you can't help but uh, improve your game here you play some of the best uh, competition yeah um, you, know, you really in- learn a lot you learn the rules more you know you, you learn some of the things you're you're not doing right you know, yeah. so yeah, and if you look at my Paso group, which I haven't been having for probably half a year, maybe a full right. year, then maybe a while, maybe till summer. I just I think I'm, when I'm retired, it's gonna be easier to plan all this stuff out and set up early and get the room ready and not be tired from work. From my end, you guys will have to come in tired, but I got a, I got what a, there's 18 on that list, email list still. Yeah, you got. And of those, there's two here, three. Yeah. So I mean, if we could actually recruit them all and say come, but that's asking a lot for a rookie guy. Um, to, to commit a whole right. weekend in a lot of ways. But Although I will say that the Open is kind of structured that they tend to match the top players against each other right. early. And, you know, the lower players at, against each other late or in the first early. early round. So you're not likely to run into a heavy hitter in the first round and get, you know, right. destroyed. 
you're playing, you know, lower ranked players and stuff. And then if you hit a run, you can make a run, and then you get a chance to play some of the better players as things mix up. Yeah, so that's a good but, format. Uh, you know, back in the '90s, Louis Tokars kind of really ran a tight ship on Chicago, and uh, you know, I think attendance was hitting 90, pushing 100 type deal. But you know, literally everybody from Chicago was here then. And, uh, you know, nobody's cracking the whip, I think, quite like what Louie used to, and attendance has dropped off a little. You guys need to, to get out there and really, you know, pound the pavement and get all the locals in. Yeah, yeah and I've sent an email out, um, reminder, but I haven't pushed like I could even. Or yeah, yeah. Rich, uh, Rich Spilkey actually, you know, put up an email to, the, to both groups. And, uh, I, you know, he kind of, you know, asked the members to, to make it over here. Uh, and I second that. It's, again, I can't, I can't tell you how much I've learned over the years coming here. You know, playing different people. And the camaraderie is second to none, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anymore, a lot of people come almost as much for the camaraderie as they do for right, the, right. the gaming. Yeah, the gaming's a, good, but seeing buddies you only see once or twice a year. And, and everybody's, you know, they're good That's people. been a real guys, theme you know? for us hearing from the people this year that used to be more competitive and care about winning, and now it's more social for a lot of people. Over the years, things have mellowed a lot as people have aged. It's not quite as intense <laughs> a, uh, an experience as it used to be, type thing, which is probably a good thing. And you learn it's not all about the winning. I mean... If you win, yeah, that's a plus. But more, I'm I'm here to learn from from the big hitters. You know, the guys that've yeah. been playing for a long time, and that's how you pick up your game, and that's how you get better. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And Brett with Aslock, you took over, over 14 years ago. We thought. Yeah, I took over at Aslock 20. Uh, so this will be the 14th I've run um, coming up in uh, in October. Yeah. How much prep work does that take? A lot of work. I, it's a decent amount, but it's also one of those things I've gotten used to. And you like um, to do it. It's enjoyable for you? Oh, uh, it's not bad. I, what, what I find a problem is is when I put off, like, processing three regs because I try to go through and send an email to everybody saying, hey, this is the minis you got in, and update the web page and stuff like that. And it might take me ten minutes for each of those, which isn't much if I've got six of them. It's when I put it off and I've got 60 where it's like real work. Yeah, you got to kind of keep on. It's like grading yeah, those yeah. long papers that I have to do three times a year. Yeah. I'm probably sitting on about 20 now, so I need to actually get proactive and get the list updated so I'm not sitting in August going like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> Um, and then there's this kind of a sprint starting in September as you're getting the t-shirts ready. The late pre-regs are coming in and you're trying to make sure you get the t-shirt order, order sizes right and all those little details, getting the scenario list updated, which I usually do mid-September to get those posted. The philosophy is give people enough time that they can pull, you know, kids. They've got the stuff they would need for the, the minis they're in, but not so much time that they can play every last scenario in the mini to, to prep. So, you know, you can get familiar, you can get your stuff ready but unless you're super dedicated you're not going to be able to you know play everything you might need to in two weeks to okay. you know, shark a bunch of people huh so See? yeah that's an idea yeah that's come up have to put it out there two that's three months ahead of time come up yeah. with one person suggested having a round where no one knows anything about what's coming yeah everyone just it's not gets, a bad idea sit down for it and you pass out here's your scenario list yeah Two guys playing something they haven't seen Actually, before. I know uh, in the past there have been some players that didn't like that idea. That oh, you know, yeah. who, who has time to play all these scenarios gets, and gets get ready? Yeah, and be you know, at an advantage 
right. to to you know your opponent right. that doesn't yeah. know the scenarios. Yeah, people have told us that, but I, but also I remember hearing the theory from either Brad or Ben, someone. That you know, consistently the same guys are winning. Yeah, so and it doesn't matter. It's kind of like it's, and another player was saying, you take top tier players and make them down to who doesn't make a mistake. Yeah. You know, forget right. to you know how I forget to do oh, yeah. smoke in the prep before the movement or whatever. Not in the movement, but first in the whatever. Those exactly. little things, or even you know, I forget a whole thing. And for how a many tournament. small mistakes and they all they add, add up. up. Yeah. Yeah, I remember playing um, Holmstrom and going, ah, oh, God, Bob, I, you, know, you know I wanted to smoke that. I said it earlier, here I am moving. I don't know how that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I go back? Well, not in a tournament. One of my first can. early oh. mentors is Bob, Bob Holmstrom. Yeah. I kind of wish he, he, he'd come. He was in St. Louis last year just like to visit. He was in town uh, mm. uh, just to visit relatives or something, but I got to see him. Uh, Last year, he's a real good player. Uh, I think he's a little burnt out on it, but he's won this one a couple of times. I think he's uh, won St. Louis at least once. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, real good player. And then yeah. with Aslock, of course, the numbers are way up. Usually, we fluctuating. <laughs> Our low end lately has been around 150, 145, oh, and we've fluctuated up. Um, we had, I think, like. I forget if it was 180-something or 190-something uh, for Aslock 30. Yeah, which was the highest wow. ever what kind uh, of, a few years what, ago. What kind of banquet hall do you have for everybody? There? We actually have a penthouse suite. So they, uh, the, the, hotel, the hotel we're at was actually, they used to have an old, um, I think it was a, a billiards bar type deal that was on the top floor uh -huh. of this old place, and they converted it into convention space now. And so we actually have the run of that seventh floor, which is well, kind of nice. Big, uh, how, how big is it? You know, I mean, uh, it's decent size, but there's a main room and then there's an L-shaped yeah. room around like it. Like an off, off room. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like um, you know the elevators go up. There's like a, a wet bar there, which is nice because they you don't service. have to go far. Yeah, huh? they. they <laughs> well, we, we usually have a bartender there. Most of the day, they've been doing sandwiches for us and stuff. So if you don't want to leave the room, you can just place an order. They'll bring it up. Mm -hmm. It's all set. You, you a bar your uh, Oslog is definitely on my bucket list. I've wanted to go for years, and it's like one of the last major tournaments besides maybe the West Coast tournament. That, But uh, I'm going to Texas with uh, Rich Spilkey in June, so that's one tournament off my, off my bucket list. But, uh, Definitely, I don't think I'm going to make it this year. It's almost a positive I won't, but uh, I'm going to shoot like hell for next year. Well, yeah, that'd be good. Next year or the one after, and I'll start being in all the time. I'll be, again, I'll be out of work. You'll be retired I'll be, a little bit. Yeah. I'll be coming out <laughs> helping you. Yes. Run it if you want, because I'll be like bored. Brad, I'm bored. Can I come out early? <laughs> all right, guys. Hey. Yeah. Glad to see you here. Two yeah, half slash, kick ass. Thank you. I guess I'm going to have to listen to Thank this podcast. Thank you, sir. Huh? Yeah, at least <laughs> one. You used to keep up. Yeah. At least download About it. Three, yeah. yeah. Oh, I have a lot of them <laughs> downloaded. It's just never listened to them. And buy but products you're, you're from right. our sponsors, Bounding Fire and Ritter Creek. Ritter Creek. Ah. Buy your radio cell gear from them. And, and Derek Ritter's usually there at, at Aslock. He has been yeah. in the last few years, and he's selling stuff. That's one of the, the uh, nice benefits. A lot of people come in and sell stuff at Aslock. So yeah, if there's new product, a lot of times people will release it there. Any word on Alex? Alex Keys? 
Alex I haven't heard Key? from Alex in a few years. Yeah, yeah, what happened now? I he not used heard to provide us years. a right. good deal yeah. as promoters. Right, and, and he used to be here. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's cutting back, I know that. L- last I'd heard, you know, his, uh, his day job was taking up too much time and business selling guns mm. to the military was... Uh, was so high it was you know he was struggling traveling much for the uh, for our hobby. Right. I haven't heard anything lately to say one way or the other, unfortunately. Hmm. But, All right, guys, uh, I'm going to let you go. Okay, thanks right, for you, interviewing me. Great to see you as usual. Take care, guys. Yep, we'll see you. We'll get some games in. But uh, Scott Blanton from Gamers Armory came up last year and was selling stuff. Um, you know, so uh, Scott does a great job. You know, providing a bunch of uh, ASL stuff for for people. You know, good mail order stuff and, you know, makes it convenient if you want to save on shipping. To and, go And you're there. going to be at Aslock. Yes. You know, drop him a line uh, beforehand, let him know what you want. And, you know, I, th- I think he's planning on coming up again. He was real happy with how things worked out last year. Okay, good. Yeah, so there's a new addition there. And do you have any vision for how it may be different in the future? I'm not much of a visionary. I like to run everything like it runs. <laughs> right. My philosophy's kind of always been try not to screw it up. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was a pretty successful thing when I got it. So you won't you turn know. into a sci-fi convention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. Pay oh, yeah. Cosplay so. is very big right now. I want to see everybody doing cosplay. World War II cosplay can get yeah. a little dicey yeah. from what I hear. I think well, I'm going to stay out of that. This, uh, especially room. with this group. I'm thinking it would be not, not pretty. Yeah. So our philosophy is to try to keep what works going, and then, you know, we, we add to it here and there. We've done some things. Yeah, there have been some changes um, over the years. Yeah, yeah, we've added some different minis, like uh, Steve Plava's run the Gorgor mini for us, where it, it uses all his special secret ro- rules, like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, third die rate of fire. Uh, he's got a set of rules. You can find them up on the Aslock webpage at aslock.org if you're interested. Um that are really kind of cool and innovative, and there's even weird stuff like broken guys can final protective fire type well, things, just sure, so that you can't, you, think, you know, you yeah, know. you know, they're like there's so little bit of risk in running up on that broken <laughs> yeah. guy suddenly, and yeah, it changes the game on how it's played. Yeah. That's become a Wednesday mini that's been a staple, and certain guys love to play in it. And, yeah. You know, uh, to play with those exotic rules. And there's some kind of cool things there that make you think yeah. that are, are nice. Right, because broken guys shouldn't just be helpless always. Right. Yeah, yeah. and that kind of, and there's certainly risk for the broken guy, but yeah, to you know, do. Okay. there can be a little bit of reward too. So Fine. You know, it, it actually, when I first started playing, it took me a while to understand that broken doesn't mean dead. Yeah. Because that's what it looked like to me. Right. Because they can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. In the and back of the counter, they look kind of dead. Yeah. And I was like, oh, guys <laughs> yeah. are broken. It just means mostly dead. Yeah, mostly dead. <laughs> They're playing dead. They're actually just sleeping. I, well, one thing I was going to ask you is, do you learn something? I mean, do you still come to tournaments and oh, learn something a like a question. new rule? Uh, usually, yes. Because um, Rich, you know, Rich, who's a very good player yes. and who I play pretty regularly, he'll come back from a tournament and say... I can't believe I didn't know this. And he'll explain some situation and think, like, wow, yeah. How come it, it, it's never come up, come up before? Yeah, so do you yeah. still, does that happen to you? There, there's certainly times I'll learn something new. It probably happens less now than it used to. Yeah. Um, but usually there'll be one or two surprises or like, oh, I misremembered that, et cetera. So it, it definitely happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would the way you were describing earlier how you go through the rules and... Well, you know, a lot of it too is is did I remember that right type thing and or did the situation ever come up? Yeah, sometimes the situation uh, can be exotic. And, yeah, um, you know, 
it varies depending on the rule. And there was one we were looking up, um, and I actually had this one right, but it was if you place a DC on a concealed guy, <laughs> and then the the placement of the DC is finished, but then the concealed guy shoots at another guy. So by the time the DC explodes, the guy's no longer concealed, but it actually goes off as if concealed because at the time of the placement, the guy was concealed. And we're oh, doing a deep yeah. dive on the rule, mm. and I'm parsing the rule, and it's not there. I can't find it. And then I finally read the example because I knew I was positive Somewhere it was. That, that that was true. <laughs> yeah. And I had to read the example, and then it said, as it, you know, at the time of placement. I was like, okay, cool. Right. There it is. But you, know, you had to do that deep parsing and find the example and actually read the example, which a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't need the example. Right. But sometimes there's nuance to the rule that's not listed elsewhere that shows up in that example. Yeah, it is interesting because you're right. It's at the time of the placement. Yeah. Of the, right. You could place it concealed just as long as you're not using enough movement factors. Right. Well, in this sure. case, it was the, the target that the was target staying concealed. concealed. And he stayed oh, concealed through getting the DC placed on him, but then another oh, sure. dude ran up oh, and, and shot he him. blew him away. Yeah, and then the DC and was then, off in the advanced fire phase. Right, right, right. So. but it still goes off at half firepower, so there was a big difference oh, between right. that 12 and the If you're throwing it, it could also so. be you and them. Yeah. The same yeah. kind of situation. Now, so. uh, Perry doesn't listen to our show. So... Um, and I'm not going to ask you any personal questions about Perry. I don't think you would I know it anyway. But anyway, to this I don't. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I think he does. Are there parts of the rules that you don't like? Or you just think, man, I hate this part of the rules, but oh, man, sure. I'm going to play it anyway. Or, oh yeah. Or yeah. you would you, you would have done it differently? I mean, yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff yeah, that I. I was so you know, surprised. That, uh, somebody we were interviewing recently is a longtime player who said, you know, actually he thinks the OBA rules are are cumbersome and. Who, who was that we interviewed? was someone. Uh, yeah, I don't, just um, recently. It was on the phone, so it was yeah, a long, long-time ID Jester. player. Yes, I think. I, and yes. then my friend, who was in the military, felt it's not accurate yeah. for some reason. He was in the yeah. he was in the artillery in Korea. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, OBA is a little cumbersome. It's a deep rules dive, and there's a lot of weirdness. Just when you think about, you know, the drift, where you can only drift in a spoke manner so that you can't hit you know any location it's just certain drifts and there's a lot of you know gamesmanship in that um you know there there are a lot of nuance and weird things that that bug me that gee i'd have done it differently but i don't know that i'm right or it's you know nuance but like you know one of the things when a gun intensifies if he changes covered arc to take the first shot when he intensifies it doesn't apply and I've always kind of felt that was a little... It made guns really powerful because now yeah. they get a, a free spin. Right. And that intensive fire shot can be really nasty. Now, yeah, and why do would, I know one way or the other that the gun's overpowered or not? I really don't. But I always find that a little odd that, you know, he didn't have time to take another shot, but it didn't count for the intensive. Yeah, right. So and there's a lot of little nuances like that that you could have done things differently. But uh, overall, it's a pretty cogent set of rules. And... You know, I found over the years my brother would tend to play with a not necessarily reading the rule book, but knowing this is how things should work. And he played a fairly reasonable game just with that approach, which kind of says knowing you know, a certain amount of history meant that the rules followed along and mm. you know you could play. There's a lot of nuance you're going to miss there, but you know yeah. it's still uh, you know it's a testament to how you know detailed the rules are and how well they stand up overall. Yeah. But I believe my opponent, Dave Ramirez, mm-hmm. is waiting on me. Sure. So, uh, oh, okay. I'll bend you guys a, a fond farewell right. and, and thanks. Uh, appreciate the time. To you. Yep. Excellent. So, Thank you for the time. usual. Yeah, no problem. Hope to see you soon. Sounds good. And great hearing from those guys. 
We have a few interviews left, Dave. From nope. ASL Open, that's or does that wrap it up? We are done. Okay. Brett Hildebrand and Mike Stubitz wraps it up. So new stuff coming out then from us in the near future. We gotta get some guys lined up. Yeah, we're talking about is it Andy Hersey from this? Yes. And you wanted to line up the creator of uh, Hatton, Hatton and, and Flames, Flames as we yeah. move to take a look at that later yeah. on. And so boy, lot. it's already going to be December. Yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. So we thank everybody for listening and for playing Advanced Squad later. And so, we hope you'll continue and roll on and rally well and clink and, and drink. drink. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>